Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. To talk a little bit more about the kingdom and, and particularly about what we were talking about last week. So Pastor Carl was talking about the, the rule in the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but I, I find this, ser- this sermon series is just so, so timely. So, so now, you know? And uh, one of the ways that uh, Pastor Carl st- started the whole series was by talking about that verse in Ecclesiastes, where there are princes walking on the earth. This is a great evil that is seen in the earth, where there's princes, there's royalty, but they're walking on the ground when they should be on the horseback. In other words, they have position and privilege and status and rights and stuff, but they, don't, they either don't know it or they don't know how to walk in it. So the evil that's happening in the earth is that there's people living below what God has made available to them. They're living under the privileges that they have as a child of God, as as a son, as a daughter, as a member of his own royal family. And so this message on the kingdom, it's, it's amazing. Jesus basically showed up on the scene and he says, you know what, guys, there's a new kingdom come. And you know what? I want to teach you how to enter it. I want to teach you how to receive it. I'm going to communicate this to you. And you guys are going to be able to receive the kingdom that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you. And you're going to be able to like live on horseback. You're not going to be walking around anymore below your privilege, below your right, below your station. So we've been talking about the kingdom, and I personally, I've been filtering a lot of what I hear through that. Because I thought when Pastor Carl gave that, I was like, wow, that, that's really, really powerful. That's amazing. I mean, think about what would happen on planet Earth right now. The whole body of Christ gets baptized in the revelation that we're royalty. Sons and daughters, I mean, we sung about it today, right? The ability to, to speak words that create a reality. Wow. We need some of that, eh? And we all can. Thanks to Jesus. He's made us king. So we're talking about the kingdom. And we talked about how in the kingdom, there's a ruler, there's a realm, and there's rules. So the ruler, King Jesus. And King Jesus is a king unlike any other king. He's, his rule is expressed, his reign, his, his kingship is, is so different than anything that you've ever seen before. I mean, he, he flips the whole thing upside down. And instead of hoarding power and authority to himself, he uses his power and authority to make us kings and priests along with him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, king of kings and lord of lords. He's king of kings because he's made other kings. He's king of kings. Lord of lords. So good. Thank you, Jesus, for making me a king and causing me to sit with you in heavenly places. Thank you, Jesus, for the authority that you've given me. And I get to wield that every single day. I get to speak words of consequence that shape and frame my world. Thank you, Jesus. So that's the ruler. That's the king in the kingdom. We've got a realm. Pastor Carl said the kingdom of God is the realm. It's that place where the the ways of God are welcomed and experienced. And uh, Jesus gave his disciples a prayer, and he said, you know what, guys, when you pray, pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's ways are 100% welcomed, embraced, and experienced in heaven. And our job as those kings is to take the realm of his kingdom, to take the experience, to take everything that's expressed perfectly in his realm in heaven, and make that a reality on planet earth. 
Our job is to eliminate, to confront and eliminate the contradictions between what's going on in his kingdom in heaven and the expression of what's happening on the earth. And to use the, the authority that we've been given and the capacity to rule as kings, to reign in life by receiving righteousness and grace as a gift, to go out and to manifest that realm to manifest his realm. And so we talked last week about the rule of the kingdom because there's rules. There's a rule in the kingdom. Every, we have rules that govern how we function in Canada, bylaws that function, you know, govern how you function in London, and there's a rule in the kingdom of God. And uh, I, I like the word rule because it's got, you can do a little play on words here. There's a rule that we must follow. There's a way that we must, you know, conduct ourselves. But rule also means the realm where the, the rule of God is expressed. When you're living by the rule of the kingdom, you're manifesting and demonstrating his rule. You're manifesting and extending that place where the rule of King Jesus is manifested when you live by the rule of the kingdom. And we talked last week about how there's two dimensions to that commandment. First John chapter 3, verse 23 says, this is his commandment. Straight up, here it is. This is it. This is, this is all there is to the new covenant. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we should love one another as he loved us. That's it. That's it. That's the rule, the command, the decree of the king in the kingdom of heaven says this. Believe in the name of his son and love one another, just as he gave us commandment. And that's so different. We talked about last week how that's so different than the old covenant. Love in the old covenant was the golden rule. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, all of your might. And the problem with the old covenant was just that. It left you in the realm of loving in your strength, in your mind, in your power. New covenant says, you know what? Love as I loved you. So let me show you what love looks like and let me empower you to love so that you can love with my love. And it becomes a different game then, eh? Like that's totally different. So we talked a little bit last week about how there's this difference between orthopraxy and orthodoxy. There's this, there's this uh, tendency sometimes to put a little bit too much emphasis on the right believing to the exclusion of the fact that actually faith needs to express itself through love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says, circumcision nor circumcision, none of that carries any weight. The only thing that matters, the only thing, only thing, that's pretty harsh, eh? The only thing that matters is faith working through love. Nothing else matters. But here's the thing, faith looks like something, love looks like something. It gets expressed through love, not through necessarily a radical commitment to correct doctrine. So the Bible goes on and it says, you know, the one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. See, there's a faith that, that, that says, you know what, I know that God exists, and I can tell you all the right things about him. I can describe the Trinity. I can talk about the atonement. I can give you six different reasons and whys for why for how Jesus died and what that means for me. I can give you all the right stuff, but I think that the faith that God wants us to have, it's a good thing I'm in my box. I feel like it keeps happening. <laughs> And my wife's backing up. <laughs> the faith that God wants us to have is faith in his love. See, it says in James, right, the, the devil believes that God exists. He knows he exists and he shudders. The faith that we're to have is that he loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20, right? The Apostle Paul said, you know, now I live by the faith of the Son of God. And he describes that faith. The faith that I have is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that good? 
He loves me. And that's what my faith is in. It's not just the fact that he exists. It's that he exists. And because he loves me, he rewards those who seek him. That's the pleasing faith to God. That's the faith he's after. So today we're going to talk real quick. I think that was by introduction, but we're going to talk real quick just about the rule in action. What does it look like? Let's get practical here. I mean, we want to take the rule of the king. We want to take his rule and we want to live it out in real life. We want to see his kingdom worked out into every aspect of our world. See, when the Bible says that the knowledge of the glory of God is going to cover the earth as waters cover the sea, that's not just the glory of God's going to be in Antarctica. It's going to be in the continent of Africa. It's also going to be in Asia and Europe geographically. That's also the glory. The knowledge of the glory of God is going to find expression. It's going to like water. It's going to get into every nook and cranny. It's going to, you know, just find its way into everything. It's going to find its way into my life, into my work life, into my home life. It's going to find its way in every aspect of the public space out there. It's going to find its way into the church, believe it or not. The glory of God will be revealed fully in and through the church. Fantastic, eh? So that, that's going to work itself out. So we want to get practical. We want to get real about this. But the first, there's a couple of things that we really have to be convinced about before we get practical. And the first thing is this. Like we've already talked about, love looks like something. Love is demonstrable. You can't just say, I love. I feel great things towards you, but never actually express it. See, for God so loved the world that he didn't sit in heaven and feel great about us. He met our need. You know what I mean? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He did something for us. He met us and he blessed us and he manifested great love towards us by what he did towards us. I mean, love, is it a feeling? Is it an emotion? Is it a choice? Is it a decision? All the above. It's all of that. And God demonstrated that towards us. He had great personal affection for each one of us that Jesus, when he's on the cross, he's doing something for us and you got to know he's thinking about you. He's feeling great personal affection for you and the thought of you being blessed by what he did motivated him to continue and to to carry the sins of the world. I mean, he did that out of great personal affection for you, but he did it. He did it. He really did. So love looks like something. And you know what? In a... That can sound a little bit like a contradiction, because it's like, hold on a second, we, we talk about grace. We talk about, you know, there's no need to perform in order to be accepted by God. But that's just it. Here's the distinction here. The love that we're talking about is the love that gets motivated by your faith. It's not something that's done in fear. It's not, oh my goodness, I better love God, because if I don't love God, he's going to hold out on me, and he's not going to give me something. I better get really good at loving the people in my world, or else I'm going to miss out. That's not what we're talking about. That's the kind of love that has to do with fear. But perfect love casts out all fear. See, if I, if I love you because I feel like God commanded me to, and if I don't, uh-oh, he's going to get me. He's going to do something bad to me, or he's going to hold out on me and not give me something good. I'm actually not loving you. I'm actually doing something that's rooted in a profound sense of selfishness. I'm trying to avoid punishment, or I'm trying to get something for myself. So perfect love, not only does it look like something, but it's totally free. It's given freely and without condition. It's rooted in freedom from absolute fear. So Dr. Caroline Leaf, she said, uh, love and fear are the root emotions for everything. Everything we do, it either comes out of love or it comes out of fear. We're wired for love, but we learn fear. Isn't that weird? We're wired for love, but we learn how to fear. I think that's pretty true. 
So love, it requires freedom. And the freedom that Jesus gives us is fundamentally freedom from fear, freedom of judgment, of punishment, of not being enough, of not doing enough, of not having enough. Perfect love casts out all of this fear. I'm free to love you, and I don't need you to love me back. I'm free to love you because I, I don't need you to, to meet my needs. Frankly and honestly, I don't have to attach myself to you and make you my religious project so that somehow by loving you, I can feel better about myself or feel like God feels better about me. I don't have to do that. I'm free. I don't need anything from you. My only obligation to you is to love you, to pour into your life out of love. That's incredible freedom. And that's the basis for real love, real self-giving love. I'm not afraid. It's completely gone. So let's keep in mind those two things. And we're going to move through real quick a couple points about how to get practical with love. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to try and paint a picture of what love looks like in four different scenarios. We're going to talk about the home, the workplace, the church, and the world. And I want to paint a picture of what love looks like. I want to describe something to you. Because that's, after all, that's what God does. In the, in the New Testament, when, you, when you're reading things in the Bible that says, do this, do that, in the New Testament, what you're reading is a description of what God has freed you and empowered you to do. What you're not reading is a prescription for how to qualify for God's love, blessing, or power. So when it says, let him who steals, steal no longer, he's not saying if you keep stealing and if you use this as a law, I'm going to kick you out and you're no longer a child of God. He's saying, you know what? You used to steal. You used to be a slave to the law that said don't steal, and then every time you heard that, you just wanted to steal more? Like the kid when you say don't touch the stove, and then they go touch the stove, because they didn't even want to touch the stove until you said don't touch the stove? In other words, now Jesus is saying, you know what? You're not bound by that, that pattern and that routine anymore. You're totally free. So don't do that. Don't do it, because you're free not to do it. I'm describing to you a picture of how empowered you are to no longer live in that cycle of defeat. So don't steal anymore. You're free. Don't do it. So I want to paint a picture. So keep that in mind. We'll, we'll use that picture. That we'll use the uh, universals of love as we get into the particulars. And what I mean by that is this. There are certain things about love that are true in every scenario, right? I mean, love is patient. Love is kind. Love requires absolute freedom. Love always looks like something. That's true right across the board. But in each of these four areas, I've, I've just picked something that I think is pretty pertinent to today, pretty real, an issue that's really alive, and, and really a unique opportunity to manifest the rule and the love of God in each of these places. See, each of these places presents a unique uh, opportunity and a unique challenge to manifest the love of God in a way that maybe is unique to that place. But first of all, we're going to start with the home. So let's get practical. In your home, these are the closest relationships that we have. I mean, think, think marriage, think family, think really good friends. I mean, think about those people in your world that you consider to be really, really close. Those people that you let in. You know what I mean? You let them in. You let them into your thoughts. You let them into your emotions. They're, they're close proximity to you. Now, what makes these uh, relationships a source of great strength can also make these a source of great pain. These are the places where there's intense vulnerability, where you're known. I mean, you've you got close relationships with people. There are people that know you better than anybody else. They see the good, they see the bad, they see the ugly. 
They see you at your best. They see you at your worst. They're the people that, because you're rubbing shoulders against every day, I mean, you can, you can really start to annoy them, or they can really start to annoy you. These are the people that you care about the most. These are the people whose opinions you care about. And so if, if something happens in that relationship, or there's like a grading together, it actually hurts more than anybody else. So, I mean, these, these relationships, these close, personal, intimate things where there's incredible vulnerability and trust, these are places of strength, but also a place of pain. They can be. They really can. So, in the home, here's a unique and a practical way to, to manifest the love, the rule of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, in your family, in your home, and in your personal relationships. First of all, given the fact that, that there's, there can be the potential for pain, there's constant exposure and ac access to one another, love always embraces vulnerability, and love always shows up. Love refuses to, to take records of wrongs. Love refuses to continue to take offense over and over and harbor bitterness against those people that are you know, rubbing you the wrong way on a daily basis. Hopefully that's not your experience, but it can be if you're being real. If you're being honest. Sometimes those personal close relationships can affect you really, really bad. And in the home, you have the unique opportunity in your personal relationships to manifest love, to manifest forgiveness, to manifest the fact, you know what? I'm going to continue to show up. I'm going to continue to bring my best in my A game. I'm not going to let familiarity, I'm not going to let bitterness or offense take root in my heart. I'm going to continue to show up and manifest and reveal the love of God, the kindness of God, the forgiveness of God on a daily basis, all the time moment by moment. I'm going to keep pouring out love and pouring out love and pouring out love for those people that otherwise I could, you know, really take offense at or, or harden my heart to because I see them all the time. And it's kind of like that constant effect. So the lo love, love manifested in the home, it's constant. It's always going. And it reminds me of how it says in James that, that God is for us. His light is always shining on us. He's not holding back at all. There's the image of the, the sundial where he's always full on. The light is always shining at the brightest, at the peak. That's the place. Those close personal relationships, you refuse to take them for granted. And you continue to show up and love in a really, really big way. So listen to this. 1 Corinthians 13 in the Message Bible. It says, love does not traffic in shame and, and disrespect, nor does it selfishly seek its own honor. Love's not easily irritated, and it doesn't quickly take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty, finds no delight in what's wrong. Listen to this. This is powerful. Love is a safe place of shelter. I can be in my closest relationships a safe place of shelter because I don't need you to scratch an itch for me. I don't need you to be something for me. You are the person or the people that I get to continue to pour love out to. It never stops believing the best. So good, eh? I mean, think about Jesus. He loved, the disciples are writing about him and saying that he is love. God is love. They spent three years with him every single day. And it says there was found no sin in him. Every day they, they lived and breathed and did everything with him. And he just perfectly manifests the love of the Father. And we can do that too thanks to the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So there's a way. You can practically bring the rule of the kingdom into your close personal relationships through love. Second spot, the workplace. Now, the workplace for me, that's a place of contractual obligation. That's a place of hierarchy. And, and I, you know, I, I talk to people, and, and one of the things that's a little bit confusing about the grace message sometimes is like we, we, we talk about how there's no, uh, there's no need to perform to a certain standard in order to be loved by God, but then people rightly say, you know, but then I go to work, and I got a boss over my shoulder, and I got performance standards that I have to meet. So how is that congruent? 
But this is the reality of work. There's structure, there's analysis. If you're a boss, you gotta evaluate your employees. If you're an employee, you gotta meet the standards that the boss has provided for you. If you're in business by yourself, you, you, you gotta do what the customer wants. You gotta provide a product and a standard to an appropriate level. So how do you love? How do you unconditionally love in an environment of constant analysis, evaluation, and performance? Well, look at this. This is Ephesians chapter six. It says, don't just do what you have to do to get by. But work heartily as Christ's servants, doing what God wants you to do. And work with a smile on your face. Always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're actually really serving God. Colossians 4, there's this amazing little verse that says, Oh yes, Paul's like, oh yeah, tell, tell Archippus, do your best in the job you received from the Lord. Do your very best. Do your very best. See, love, love goes the extra mile. Love just doesn't say, you know what, this is my obligation towards you. This is what I signed on the dotted line to do as an employee. Love transcends those, those little rules and stuff. And love says, you know, because I love you, because I see you in Christ, because I feel like I'm serving Christ, I'm not just going to do enough to get by. I'm going to, and this is actually the basis, if you want to know, for the spirit of excellence. Remember, Daniel had a spirit of excellence on him and caused him to be elevated above everybody else. I mean, love empowers excellence. And when you say, you know what, I'm not just going to do that little bit that I need to do to get by just to tick my boxes, but I'm going to serve this person, this company, as though I'm serving Christ. Wow. Then we're not just doing enough to get by. We are serving Jesus in the things that we're doing. And we're lifting the standard. And we're loving not because we just want to get a paycheck. We're loving because we, we love. I mean, we're not just working to get the paycheck, motivated by fear. If I don't do this, I won't get the paycheck. I'm working now because I love. And likewise, employers, bosses, you're not just trying to get, you know, I just need this person to do what I want them to do. No, a boss actually, in the love of Christ, actually cares. How does a boss manifest the love of God, the rule, and the reign of the kingdom towards his employees or her employees? You don't just care about getting out of them whatever contributes to the bottom line. You take a personal investment in them. You want to see them thrive in life. You don't want to just use them to get the jobs done. You want to, you want to love them and serve them and have an influence in them that elevates them and helps them not just to complete the task you give them, but to become sound, whole, uh, prosperous, fully activated human beings. And love elevates. Love lifts you above the contractual standards. And I think that's beautiful. I think, imagine a whole workforce of people motivated by the love of God going above and beyond, manifesting kingdom excellence in everything we do. Imagine a whole host of employers out there who decided, you know what, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to not only have this person do my tasks for them, but I'm going to minister to this person and try to elevate them to their fullest potential and to see the maximum that God's invested in them come out of them. There's love in the workplace. This is practical. This is the kingdom of God. In the church, what does love look like in the church? Now, the church is it's a unique place. It's a place where we come together to worship, to serve. We are the family of God. And you know what? There's so many things that we agree with. We agree, for example, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Christ. Jesus is the king. We agree that we want to see the kingdom of God come from heaven to earth. We all agree on that. I mean, believers in Jesus Christ agree Jesus Christ is Lord. But, I don't know if you know this, but in the church, there is incredible disagreement on what we think that looks like and how we think that happens. Is that fair to say? 
And that's not a today problem. That's a problem that they had in the, in the New Testament church as well. They agreed that Jesus was Lord, but they had differences of opinion and conviction over what real faith looks like, over whether to celebrate one day or to treat it as just any other. They had differences of opinion over what to eat, what not to eat. They had different convictions, get this, about politics, about economics, and about social issues. If you read the book of Acts, you're going to see that there is a divergence of opinion and conviction by different groups in the church. They agreed that Jesus is Lord, but they also said, well, if Jesus is Lord, well, these people over here said, well, then that means you should eat like this, you should dress like this, you should be for this, you should be against that. But then this, in the same body of people, there were others who said, actually, I, I agree with you, Jesus is Lord, but... I disagree with you on that. I think you should wear this. I think you should look like this. I feel like you should dress this way. I think that you should eat only vegetables or something. Shout out to the vegans, right? So there's differences. I mean, look at this. Acts chapter 15. There are certain individuals that came down from Judea. They are getting into an argument with the Apostle Paul. Now listen to this. Some believers in this congregation, some believers who belong to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and said, it's necessary for people to be circumcised in order to keep the law of Moses. Now did you catch that? Some believers, there were believers, genuine believers in Jesus Christ, but they said, actually, you got to believe in Jesus and do this. Now look what it says. It says, some believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees. And you know what? When we separate from one another, when we let the differences that we have over our personal convictions about what our faith should look like, when we let that divide us and we separate from one another based on those personal convictions, welcome to a sect. You've just created one or you've just joined one. So Paul says, ask yourself this. Is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourself with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, if you quarrel and you end up taking sides, this proves that you're living your life centered on yourselves. You're dominated by the mindset of the flesh and actually you're behaving like unbelievers. When you divide yourselves into groups, we, we dress like this, we wear this, we behave this way, we think this way, we think this is how things should be. Well, we are over here. It actually says when you do that, you are acting like people void, devoid of, without the Holy Spirit. That's actually a manifestation of the flesh and not the Spirit. That's crazy. So to be biblical in the church, to manifest biblical love in the church, you have to acknowledge there's incredible freedom and liberty to act and to hold all sorts of divergent convictions. So Paul said, hey, there's, there's an example. One person regards one day as special. They think this should be a holiday. Other people are like, no, that's stupid. That shouldn't be a holiday. We shouldn't celebrate that. And you know what Paul said when that happens? There's absolutely nothing wrong with having different personal convictions about such matters. Romans chapter 14. So if we're going to get biblical in the church and manifest love in times like we're living in right now, we have to stop being critical and condemning other believers. Instead, we have to determine that we'll never deliberately cause a brother or sister to stumble and fall because of our actions. So if a brother or sister is offended because of we insist on eating what we want, or wearing or not wearing what we want in terms of clothes, or taking our position on this, that, or the other thing, Paul says, actually, if you insist, if you offend somebody by insisting on getting your own way, listen to this, it's no longer love that rules conduct. Crazy. Why would you wound somebody for whom the Messiah gave his life? J 
just so you can do what you want. Therefore, Romans 14, verse 20 to 23, stop ruining the work of God by insisting on your own opinions. You can eat anything you want, but it's wrong to deliberately cause somebody to be offended over what you eat or what you do or what you think. Consider it an act of love. Consider it an act of obeying the rule. <laughs> Consider it an act of expressing your faith in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Consider it an act of love to refrain from doing anything else that would cause a fellow believer to be offended or tempted to be weakened in his faith. Keep the convictions you have about these things between yourself and God and don't impose them upon others. That, that's, that's some heavy stuff. I understand. That's some really heavy stuff. But hey, this is the environment we live in right now. Eh? This is something that the church had to work through in their time. They had to figure out how do we love each other and model the love of God when we're a house full of different, different opinions and different convictions. There's a way to do it. There's a church that walked through this before. It's in the Bible. It's there. And we've got some incredible advice. So the Apostle Paul if he carries any weight in your life, he says, the convictions you have about these matters, keep them between yourself and God and don't impose them upon others. See, the one who's truly free in their faith, you're free, you got great faith, you actually have to honor the person that you think has lesser faith, that you think has lesser faith. For example, one believer has no problem eating all sorts of food, but another has uh, quote-unquote weaker faith who eats only vegetables. The one who eats freely shouldn't judge or look down on the one who eats only vegetables and say, I got more faith than you. The other one, the vegetarian, must not look and judge down on the one who eats anything. Remember that God has welcomed this person and that person and welcomed them not just to, you know, I'm tolerating you. God has welcomed that person to sit at his table as a king just like you just like you. So if you think you have the moral high ground, you've got faith for everyone else, you, you know, you think you've got more faith or whatever, you can actually be correct in your doctrine, yet fail to walk out the rule of the king if the way you do it, the way you insist on getting what you want is actually offensive and causes somebody else to stumble and fall. So we in the church, we can manifest the rule of the king together as an amazing community of people governed by the rule of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the love of God in our hearts for one another, even though we might disagree with each other on a whole range of topics. And the Bible actually says that's okay. The Bible said there's nothing wrong with that. What we need to do, though, is love one another. And as Pastor Carl said, continue to ascribe infinite worth to each other, even the ones who see things a little bit differently. And by doing this, we will manifest the community of called out ones. We will manifest to the world a community of people living under the governance of King Jesus because it looks like love and it looks like giving each other the freedom to live out that love and to live out our faith. What about the world now? How do I live my faith in the world? How do I live out, how do I live out the rule of the kingdom of God in the public space? Now, in the world, I mean that space where we all share, where people of different faiths, we all occupy that public space, people of no faith, people of all sorts of different opinions and beliefs that aren't informed by faith at all. How do we live in that space out there? How do I manifest the rule of God in a place that doesn't even acknowledge God? Well, you know what? Not so long ago, even just like 100 or so years ago, there was a big push that said, you know what? You need to take your faith and you need to vacate. You need to leave. You need to get out of the public space. Faith is something that you do at home. It's something that you do at that church down on the corner. It's not something that you need to manifest in public or in the world. And the church kind of said, okay, and went along with it. 
And we kind of need our, our, our proclamation of Jesus as Lord as something that we kind of only said to one another, and occasionally we would go say it out loud when somebody annoyed us enough. But we kind of stepped out of the public space. And I think Jesus is like, you know what? You, you, you need to step back in. You need to get back into public space. But what you need to offer the world, what you need to do, the, the alternative that you need to do in manifesting the rule of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in that public space where it's unwelcome, is you need to have a different contribution. You need to occupy that public space, but do it from healthy identity. Do it as people who are fully loved by God and know you're loved by God. You don't need people out there to, you don't need to smack them around and get them to believe everything that you believe and to think the way that you think. You can do something totally different. You can be present in the world, in a place where there's a whole bunch of conflict and strife, and you can manifest what it looks like to be a fully whole human being, loved by God. Somebody who's totally free. Somebody who's totally alive and awakened to God's love. You can do that, and you can be out there in that place, and you can occupy it with other people without judging them. See, it says God so loved the world. He loved the world. He sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. We can occupy the public space with that message. Jesus Christ is Lord, and his rule is one of love. This is what the rule of the king looks like. Don't you want it? Don't you want it? Don't you want to come in under the realm and the rule of the king? Because it looks like freedom, and it looks like love. So Jesus said, let your light shine before men. Your lives are like salt amongst people. Your lives are meant to light up the world. Let others see your light. How can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, this is amazing, instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. Jesus, the King of Kings, has made us to be the light of the world. He's lit us up with his own light. He said, you are salt of the earth. You have the preserving influence in society. Your influence in the public space is meant to be a preserving influence. It's meant to keep things together, keep things well, keep things healthy. Don't vacate that space. Step into it and let your light shine before men. And the light that you're revealing and manifesting is one of love. It's not one of insisting that everybody lines up with your ways. It's freedom. It's freedom. Now, don't get me wrong. God does have ways. God does have preferences, but his, his objective, the way he brings that about is through an atmosphere of freedom and love, not through fear and coercion and intimidation. Jesus advances his kingdom with love. See, it's the increase of his kingdom, of his government and his peace that will have no end. The government and the peace go hand in hand. The increase of his rule and the increase of peace go side by side, not the increase of, hey, by the way, you better submit to the lordship of Jesus or else you're toast. And it doesn't come by forcing your way on people. So this is the kingdom of God. This is the love of God in action. This is manifesting the rule of the king in the public space, but in a way that, that's free, in a way that's, that, that's inspiring and demonstrative. Because love is demonstrable. It's, it, it looks like something. God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. So it looks like something. Love has practical application in every aspect, in every area of your life. It's 100% not a contradiction with the grace message. The love of God flowing out of your life, it looking like something practically, is actually an expression of the grace of God. When you open your heart to the love of God, the Lordship of Christ, love comes out of you. That's the consequence of faith. This isn't a, hey, you better love, and you better love this way in each of these places. This is a, 
If you're awake to the love of God, let me describe to you what the love of God is going to look like. And thankfully, we got some amazing examples in the Bible of what that actually does look like. So for the kingdom, the kingdom to come, the kingdom of heaven, the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's got to go everywhere. And each and every single one of us is uniquely called, designed, equipped, positioned, and placed to bring the rule of the King of Kings into unique scenarios that only we can. Only you can occupy your family, your close relationships, your, your place of work, the world, the public space that you go to, the grocery stores that you go to, the bank that you go to, the relationships you have with people there. Only you, you know, stepping up in your role in the church and, and loving only you can occupy those places that you uniquely hold. So we, it's, it's time. It's literally time to awaken our hearts, to receive the love of Jesus, and let him express his rule and his reign through us in these very real and very practical ways. And you know what? It's really, really not hard. It's opening your heart to Jesus and saying, yes, Jesus, I receive that love. I receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. I will let you love me. I'm going to let Holy Spirit shed your love abroad in my heart. I want to know and experience that love because that's where it all starts. We love because he first loved us. That's where it starts. That's where we get the power from and that's where we go. Daily, daily I receive your love. Daily. I, did, I use the, the love of God as my daily bread. I wake up so full and so aware of his affections for me. That empowers my day. And that's available to every one of us. The love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right, the kingdom has a real expression. It really does. And it starts with the love of God. So, that's what I got for you today. That's the rule in action. That's the king of kings and his rule practically expressed in your life. Because it looks like something. But it does. It starts with accepting the love of Jesus. So, if there's anybody here today, I mean, I, it's hard to see. <laughs> If there's anybody today who's never said, you know what, I, I accept Jesus. I accept the fact that he loves me. If there's anybody here who's never done that before, maybe you're watching online and you've never actually said, yeah, I, I accept that Jesus loves me. I believe that and I receive that. Just pray with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I receive your love for me. I accept that you love me. I accept that you forgive me. I accept your power in my life to love. And I'll tell you what, if you've prayed that, if, you, if you've said that with sincerity, the, the love of God is going to flood your heart. And I pray right now that it would, that the experience of Holy Spirit taking the love of God, making it real in your heart, is something that you experience right now. Holy Spirit, testify inside people's hearts that they are the children of God, that God does in fact love them, that we are deeply loved and totally welcomed by you. So I bless you, Jesus. I thank you so much. And if you've prayed that prayer, please go online, impactlondon.ca. Just uh, fill out the, the card there. Fill out the Connect card. Let us know. Let us know that you've, you've accepted Jesus today. If you're one of those people who you felt, you know, something happened for you when we were praying and you were healed or touched, let us know. Fill out the Connect card. Let us know. We'd love to be in touch with you. But uh, bless you guys. So good to see you. I'm going to pray for you. I think we're going to skip the, uh, the, the post-show. I'm going to give you a quick couple of instructions on the way out. But um, honestly, Father, I pray. I thank you so much. I, I really do. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you're absolutely crazy about us. I, I just pray that the affection that you have for each and every single person. Because, I mean, you don't just do nice things for us and to us. You feel something for us. You have great personal affection for every single one. And I pray by your spirit, God, that that affection that you have would be alive and real in everybody's heart. 
I thank you, Father, for the power and the ability to manifest the rule of Jesus Christ, not through being angry and through forcing things, but just by love. Just by love. I thank you that you've poured out your Holy Spirit in our hearts, empowered us, equipped us to love. And I thank you that it's through love that your kingdom is advancing forcibly in the earth today. So we bless you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, so much. Bless everybody here in the name of Jesus. Be blessed and may the love of God be real and alive in your heart today. And may you have many opportunities to share it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.